Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first movie that we're going to talk about is the 20, uh, th- 2003 M. Night Shyamalan film, Run. <laughs> understand this right now but i am doing what i know is best for you i know that i've scared you but i will spend every minute of our lives making sure you never feel that way again I'm your mom. I'm your mom. What's with these trailers ending with music and not words? So, so much I, so music. I, so I know I can say anything. Uh, we talked about, I talked about searching. I liked it. I thought it was a little interesting. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was an interesting attempt um, a few years back. Did you ever end up seeing Searching? I did not. I thought I was going to watch it for this, but then I ran out of time in my life. I watched ten movies this week, Tom. Yeah, I know. I you know what's funny is like I didn't know you watched ten movies, but just the way that and you a were, full series, the way that you were texting and me Red about Devils stuff, all the time is that I was this just, is what happens when I don't have friends nearby. I just literally run, <laughs> lift, and consume media. Good. It's all, all the better for and the play podcast. Piano. Um. Yeah, Searching, I thought, was a good first attempt from Anish uh, Chaganti. You uh, um, you talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, and this is his follow-up. Chloe's 17 years old and is awaiting her acceptance letter to University of Washington. She's really technically-minded and engineering-minded. Uh, her mother, Diane, delivered her prematurely. Um, and so Chloe is afflicted with a variety of ailments. She's wheelchair bound she has diabetes she has asthma she has virus and threat protection thank you windows defender summary um it must be tough and then you know there's suddenly she she finds this uh, green and white pill that is addressed to her mom and it's a new pill that's in her supply and she's a little concerned about that um very concerned about that and she starts researching this drug Well, because she's not allowed to have a phone no. and she's not allowed like unfettered access to the internet so things only come from her mother exactly um she tries to research it online and the internet connection goes down and eventually she calls some random person um and that random person tells it tells her that the, this drug trigoxin that she's told about is actually a heart medication uh, but it's universally a red pill, so it's not mm. trigoxin like it's been listed. Little and red. And so her and her mom eventually, she she says that she wants to go see a movie starring John Cho. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, they go see a movie, and Chloe, under the pretext of needing to use a restroom, goes to the pharmacy across the street and finds out that the drug that she's been prescribed is actually a muscle relaxant for dogs. And that, if used on humans, could cause numbness in the legs. You know, mimicking... Very specific. Mimicking um, the, 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 the paralysis and the, the legs in the people. The leg problem. Great job, the, Mario. The wheelchairness. Um, uh, no, I actually think it's a fairly accurate <laughs> way to describe what's happening. But then Diane, you know, who has realized Chloe's been gone for too long, suddenly runs out and into the pharmacy and, you know, tranquilizes her and... Chloe's locked in her room with the club. There's a hoe. It's a hoe, but it's, it's a club. hoe with a bandana. It's basically the club, <laughs> or a big scrunchie. And one you. scene I like though is like Chloe like climbing out. Like that's a nice scene, and well, she because eventually... you didn't know what the water in her mouth was for. Yeah, I thought that was very clever. Yeah, um, and eventually Chloe, uh, you know, is trying to trying to get out, and uh, eventually. Kind of discovers that her mom's been in traffic all along. She gets a mailman involved. A mailman we'll be talking about later in the podcast. Actually, not that much, but good old Pat Neely. Healy. Healy. Pat Healy, sorry. The uh, a lot of stuff. Officer Daniels from Compliance. A movie I love. A movie that, like, made you do me, like Compliance. Like, my top 250. Hmm. Good and Dowd performance. Yeah, and, and uh, Oh, God. What the, hell was, what the hell was her name in, in the, the, the woman? in compliance the the girl who was like 
but Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23 is like would be in a, oh. a top 100 pivotal shows of mine. What's um, Kristen Ritter? No, Kristen Ritter was the bitch, but it's the, the main know. girl. Um, James Vanderbeek? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, James Vanderbeek. And eventually, Chloe learns that she's not even the daughter. That the daughter that Reese saw in the beginning of the movie was born prematurely, who we think was Chloe, was actually died soon afterwards, and Chloe was kidnapped at birth by Diane. It has been uh, fed a bunch of drugs because she is a victim of Munchen disease by Munchausers. Munchausers disease. Munchausers by proxy disease. Um, you know, and Diane has now plan is planning to inject her with a neurotoxin to make her brain dead, and Chloe ingests a bunch of. Uh, something. Can't remember what it was, but some poison to make her go to the hospital. It seems like she's, you know, attempted suicide and there's this big hoopla in the hospital. Uh, and eventually Diane, you know, kidnaps her from the hospital. She maybe initiates a code blue. Yeah. We don't know. We, she, so we, she kills somebody else. She kills somebody else. Um, <clears throat> and drives her away and is driving her around. And then Chloe sees that she's at the University of Washington Medical Hospital and using all of her strength, she puts her foot down to stop the wheelchair from moving and security blasts the shit out of Sarah Paulson, just knocks her out of American Horror Story season nine. She falls down a flight of stairs and seven years later, Chloe visits her and has been feeding her that muscle relaxant to keep her in a vegetative state, which is a dumb ending. Um, I enjoy this for what it is. I texted you early on that this feels just like a really dumb I said like early Shyamalan but I think this is more like a happening level Shyamalan yeah, actually this feels like a lady, village level Shyamalan like village post village like village like lady in the water to happen lady in the water yeah which you know what I don't have a problem with those I think they're still kind of like have their fun to them um and I, I just find this movie to not have a lot going for it but I find it to be fun I, I find it to be tight like I, what I want from a thriller is tightness, and yeah. this movie's very tight. It runs less than ninety minutes. It's maybe over in eighty-seven minutes. Mm. Um, I typically dislike Sarah Paulson because mm. I think she's like really going hard in whatever the fuck Ryan Murphy's asking her to do, and whatever garbage Ryan Murphy's asking her to do. We're gonna review the prom. I'm gonna give it a negative review because Ryan Murphy fucking sucks. Ryan um, Murphy's agree, made yeah. nothing good except for like the first two seasons of Nip Tuck, in my opinion. I like those. Maybe because I like Julian McMahon. I still, <laughs> I still think his Doctor Doom was fun. Hmm. Sue me. You're the one. Yeah, exactly. You and what's his name, Justin Trank? Oh yeah. No, Justin Trank didn't even recast. He wasn't. Him. Well, that wasn't Doctor. No, Doom? Justin. No, um, I forgot who did the doc. Oh, I don't know. Does who fucking cares? Um. But I think it's fun. Um, I think it's it's popcorn. Yeah. I watched this while making while cranberries. Making while popcorn. making cranberry sauce, I was you know I was uh, getting some uh, zest of tangerine mm. to put on my cranberry sauce, ladies. Um, and you know what? It was zest a fun of tangerine, time. ladies. Um, yeah, I think it's tangerine you know, dreams. You know what's ladies. funny is that it is the perfect Hulu movie. Mm-hmm. If I had to go see this movie in theaters because you had convinced me that it was something, I would have been fucking pissed. Oh, there's a reason why I'm going to rent Freaky and I'm going to give you access to said rental. Right. Um, it's 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 a non-thinking movie. It works in the exact way that you assume. like. You know, it's Munchausen. If you've seen the act or an episode of Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, or Law and Order Criminal Intent. Or Law and Order, just regular Law and Order. Uh, they do this shit all the time on stuff. A parent who's too attached to a kid, making them sick because they love them so much. This movie does not do anything interesting. I suppose the most interesting thing that it does is also the stupidest thing that it does is turns Diane into a fucking murderer. Well, no, I think the most interesting <clears throat> it does is Chloe stays smart. No, no, I'm saying that sarcastically. Okay, but Chloe, like the one thing I really appreciate from a thriller standpoint is Chloe doesn't make any decisions that are stupid. The only thing this movie has going for is the character of Chloe. Yeah. Who is really... And Kira Allen's great. She's very good. Very solid in the performance. um, I think it's a little vague on what, like, the nature of her, her, like, 
science acumen is and where it comes from. I'm not 100% Engineer. Sh- she's on like, but I'm like, not 100% like, uh, sure you could design whatever it is that she's making without the internet at this point in her life. Like, where is her mom getting... She has a 3D printer. She made it. Movies. Science. Yeah. <laughs> Movie science, man. Um... That, again, that's the thing. That stuff doesn't matter. I guess I just I was unfazed by the idea that like I just assumed it, she was making her sick from the second that she saw the pills, and Diane doesn't try to sell it any other way. And I guess I was turned off a little bit by the fact that Diane turned into a murderer. Yeah, I was. It was I just was... kind of like okay, well, like, that's that's this has stopped being clever, and has started just being regular. I was bummed. When the moment, so there's like a little moment early on where she's like in the, the Diane is in the kind of like the group um, therapy discussion about like kids going off to um, That was cool. That was a cool college. scene. I really thought until the mailman, like the Pat Healy mailman scene, that Chloe was on a new drug. And I think that would have been a much more interesting way to go with it. Mm-hmm. Like re-follow this unreliable narrator who actually is really sick, but who's got a new drug that has like made her paranoid mm-hmm. and we have kind of the shift where it's like no diane's maybe a little bit attached to her kid but like did you not kind of think it was gonna go down that route like no no like i i was i guess i didn't think that but i was hoping i was hoping also, hoping that like this movie was gonna take this like new twinge i thought we're like maybe it's a little bit of an overdeering like an overbearing mother uh-huh. but Chloe is a combination of overbearing mother and Chloe actually having this bad drug reaction. Well, I think the benefit... would have been an interesting movie. Yeah, I think the benefit of... of it doesn't have a good third act, I guess, but... No. I think that's just like, oh, I think one of the things right. that people criticize Netflix movies for a lot, and this is not a Netflix movie, so, um, is that uh, there's not a lot of notes given, so directors f- kind of feel the need, or feel compelled... And this was... feel... It tended to be released theatrically. Sure, that's what I mean. Is that so? People feel oh, all right, and which is the stupidest word I can use. Just kind of doing whatever they want to do. They don't fucking worry about like the kids are all right. Yeah, yeah, the kids are all right. Which is a movie that I liked. Um, which is it's it's weird. It ends badly. Um, yeah, Julianne Moore not being gay is like I was when I remember when I watched it. I was like, what? And then also like Ugh. <laughs> that makes me feel weird. Um, because back then they weren't defining bisexuality that easily. I'm off on a tangent now. Um, they don't give notes, so directors feel kind of free to do whatever they want to do. Um, I felt like this is a very noty movie in the sense that there was no real reason. They had built up the tension appropriately enough of the clinginess of Sarah Paulson's character to her daughter that when um, she took the her little elevator downstairs to look at the internet to look up Trigoxin... I didn't need Sarah Paulson sitting Indian style on the counter. No. Jump scare. Well, you know what I mean? Like, build, let the tension build without having this kind of cheap, shitty payoff. Well, and I think this movie at some point was just like, somebody said something about, like, you need more cheap, shitty payoffs. No, and I, he was just like, fine. What I think is the issue, pers- like, being a Reddit guy, like, especially on the movies Reddit, like, Sev Ohan, Ohanan. He's okay. a big redditor. Okay. Like he's who's that? He's the co-writer and producer of this. Oh, okay. He's like everywhere on Reddit. So he deserves um, some of the responsibility for how not great this movie is. But there's so like him and Anish, like the like director uh, Chaganti, are so into like the minutia of things and like it doesn't seem like it. But the minutia of things in the sense of Easter eggs and whatnot. Which but is Easter eggs for what? For no reason. Oh, but like well, there's that's, a lot of doubt. like the John Cho being in the movie that they're seeing. But that's a but putting that in. That's like, like I don't know, I don't want to interrupt you, but that's a problem with movies. It is. There's but no I, reason to Easter egg anything. This movie doesn't exist in a universe outside of itself, right? Yeah, but there, like, there's the problem with this, like in the fact that like when she calls the directory, it's like Dairy Maid. Even Dairy Maid. It's yeah. like what? Really? I mean, it's fun, but it's just like that's it. It's fun, and like there's like too much focus on like little nods, and not enough focus on like focus, not enough focus on like character and and center. Like there's not enough center to this film, and like cl- like the character of Chloe has is like 
Kara Allen's doing a lot of work to center the performance. And I think in terms of a writing perspective, they do a lot for the Chloe character to make her not make dumb decisions. But it makes Diane too much of a caricature. Oh, she's fucking around. horrible. Which is which is what which is why I, I know and this is kind of the final point I want to make on this movie because I don't want to go too far on it. Um I like Sarah Paulson in this a lot more than I like Sarah Paulson and stuff I've seen her with. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that like it's finally a movie playing up this real dumb caricature of, of the villain. This real kind of like Annie Will Annie Wilkes is mm-hmm. that it's an Annie Wilkes level caricature of a villain. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Paulson is, I think, not a Kathy Bates, but she's good enough. She is not. But she's good enough to play this caricature. Sure. And, but like, everything with Sarah Paulson recently has too much nuance to it, has too much like levels going on to I it. I actually don't think it has any levels going on to it, so she seems to be trying to invent levels. Do you think so? I don't think she is. I think she's just like, I'm batshit crazy. No, I think I think so. She only makes Ryan Murphy things now, um, and I think the part that you mentioned before about the prom is that Ryan Murphy is terrible. So Sarah Paulson has to just kind of invent layers to these characters that don't exist on the page because he fucking sucks. And so the problem, like our run <laughs> review, would just become shit on Ryan Murphy. So the problem with this movie is that I think that. For however clever the writers of this movie think they're being, the reason that they gave her for being a fucking murderer is because her baby died. It's unacceptable. It's dumb. That's fucking dumb. They do that shit all the time and stuff. This is a movie. This is that you're going to release in theaters. This is not an episode of Law and Order SVU. You know what I mean? Like, do a better job of trying to flesh out the reasons why she would kill people. She's killing people. Only Pat Healy. No, she clearly oh, killed somebody in the hospital. I'm sure that was just like a Bill Camp or something. <laughs> Bill Camp got like a million dollars to not even be on screen. <laughs> to not even be on screen. The stupidest part of this movie, though, again for me, is the ending because they have a the ability to end this cruelly. Which is what this movie deserved. Which is to have Chloe go into this detention center. To have her be crippled because of her fall. And getting shot in the arm and falling down the fucking stairs. So she can't walk. And for her to be rubbing it in her goddamn face that she has this whole life now. You know what I mean? Like her bitch mother denied her this life. And now she's just going in there every so often and fucking twisting. Yeah. But she's not. She actually feels something for her. But she has to pay for it. So she's going to poison her. That is fucking dumb. That is dumb. These people are supposed to be... The, like, that's the thing. Searching, I suppose, was interesting because it was an interesting concept. It was telling a story in this really interesting way. They are clearly, though, not very good at this. Like, I don't know if they're going to get another... They might get one more movie. And they better make it fucking good. I mean, Run got good reviews. But it's it got good reviews, but its audience score sucks ass. But I didn't say that. People don't like this movie. Because it's easy and it's dumb. That's the thing. If you are so if you are a person who is like on all these Reddit threads and stuff like that, you clearly see yourself as and is laying Easter eggs and all this other stuff. You clearly see yourself in a certain light. You aren't allowed to make a dumb movie. This movie is dumb. And that is where it kind of was like I, I didn't, like, hate myself for watching it because I think it's well made. I think the girl that plays Kira Allen, you said? Kira, Kira Allen, yeah. Kira, I think she's really good. I think Sarah Paulson, for all of, like, the things I dislike about her, is, like, sells it. You don't ever feel cheated when she's yeah. doing something on screen. But the, the, the construction of this movie is just poor. And it doesn't, like, withstand even a mild investment. Like I didn't I wasn't lucky enough to have cranberry sauce to make. I had to sit and watch it. You 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 felt like your bishop was locked in. My bishop was locked in. Couldn't escape. You already had my rooks. No. I had nothing left. My horse couldn't make my knight couldn't make the right moves. Horse better term for My it. horsey. <laughs> I don't, you know what I don't have a thing. I don't have a I don't have a clip. Oh, that's fine. Um 
you know, sometimes we talk about TV shows. I think we already talked about we already talked about some TV shows a couple of times. Uh, We've mentioned True Detective season one a few and times. three. We talked about three. <laughs> and three. Um, but yeah, we uh, Tom and I watched the miniseries, which is basically like a movie that's like seven hours long, which you're obligated to watch as a human on if you're living on Earth. This 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 one. I'm pretty sure. I don't think you have any choices anymore. I think you have to have seen it and have an opinion on it. And what we're talking about is the Queen's Gambit. Men are going to come along and want to teach you things. Doesn't make them any smarter. You just let them blow by and you go on ahead and do just what and how you feel like. Someday you're going to be all alone. So you need to figure out how to take care of yourself. Tell the readers of life how it feels. And to be a girl. Among all those men. I don't mind it. Chess isn't always competitive. Chess can also be... beautiful. You're an orphan, Beth. I'm fine being alone. I feel safe in an entire world of just 64 squares. Creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand. Elizabeth Harmon is orphaned at a young age after her mother is killed in a car accident on a bridge and she is sent away to a heavily Christian school for orphans. There she is medicated with um, a variety, a uh, smorgasbord of pills, one such pill is green, much like the uh, muscle relaxant. Mm-hmm. But that happens to be a um, set, not a sedative, but it's a tranquilizer. It's a tranquilizer. A tranquilizer. Um, and she grows an affinity to this tranquilizer. At the same time, she meets uh, Mr. Shable, uh, played by Bill Camp, who's never. Could you imagine, Bill... A Could you imagine Bill Camp like walking into a role being like, I'm going to be bad in this role? And being like, oh, I'm sorry, I just accidentally was good in this <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's Dark Water, right? Yeah, I didn't see Dark Water. <laughs> um, and from that, she learns how to play chess, and she has a real affinity for chess. And for her tranquilizer, she actually can see games in her head on the roof of her orphanage. And eventually she's adopted um, by the Wheatleys and... The Wheatleys take her in, and you know she keeps being obsessed about chess. And eventually, after asking for Mr. Scheibel, she gets you know some money. She gets money for to play into the Kentucky State Championships, and she. Did you always forget that this took place in Kentucky? No, I actually like locked into Kentucky. Oh, I did. I kept forgetting that this was Kentucky. Um, and she wins the Kentucky t- State Championships and get Harry Beltlick, but the uh, the solid state champion. Um, she finds out that the her uh, father in not father in law her foster father has left, um, and Alma Wheatley, her uh, foster mother, realizes that she has a talent, and they go around winning a bunch of chess tournaments, and quickly Beth becomes a chess phenom, running around the world. But there's this one person, Borgov, Vasily Borgov, who's always standing in her way. Uh, and meanwhile, she keeps spiraling into an addiction of pills and alcohol. You could argue she's standing in her own way. She is, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, also, Alma, her mother, has, has an alcohol addiction. Um, eventually, in Mexico City, Beth loses to Borgov, and uh, Alma um, loses to her own addiction and her um, hepatitis. Uh, and... Beth continues to kind of spiral around. She eventually wins the U.S. championship, and she goes to Paris, but then she, you know, falls back to her addiction of drugs alcohol again and loses to Borgov again. She comes home. She spirals into more alcohol and addiction, but then she kind of cleans up. She shacks up with a kid from Love Actually. Is that that true? Yeah. That's the place Benny. Really? Yeah. Oh. The little drummer kid. Uh, and she Leave goes to the sin. Moscow Invitational, and she cleans up her. She she stops, you know. She dumps the pills, dumps the alcohol, settles down, and uh, eventually, through the help of 
uh, her her friends that she's developed through the years, uh, she finally defeats Borgov, and uh, it ends with her beating a world champion, but then being amongst the people of of Moscow and sitting down to play a game of chess. Um, this is has failings at times in narratives, has has television shows will. Uh, it deals with its alcoholism at times too easily. Uh, from Beth's point of view, I think it kind of just assumes that Beth's an alcoholic when she has two paps. That's not what alcohol is. We don't get to see her drink a lot. Yeah. Um, beyond that, though, this is a master... This is probably one of the greatest miniseries I've ever seen. Um, yeah. It's it's. I have not gone through a miniseries in three days Mm-hmm. Uh, a tw- what a 10 hour ish no not 10 hours it's maybe like maybe it's like maybe eight hours eight hours it's maybe no not even it's probably seven hours i think it's no it's, it's probably all, no because like the first two episodes are but like the last a little over an, like hour. an hour and a half right no it's like an hour and ten Is it? i think the first two episodes are about an hour and ten and all the middle episodes are maybe an hour to four minutes yeah. so maybe it's like seven hours at most but i've never gone through a series that quickly um every performance is is on point from a production standpoint I don't think I've seen a television series hit production design as well as this yeah. show has. Yeah. Um, and everything about this works. There's uh, been television shows that have spent money, but they haven't used it to the effect that they've used it in this show, I think. Yeah. I am not an Anna Taylor-Joy person before this. I We've never talked about the she's witch or fine. I th- I've always think she's fine. She is fucking magnetic. Amazing. Like, I started, like, well, you talked about your father-in-law, um, yeah, yeah. who, after watching this, had to watch all of her filmography. I was going to start Emma, because it's on HBO Max before this, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it later. But now I'm going to watch Emma, just because, like, I'm... Like, See what she's up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I hate fucking television. And there's a lot of ways in which this... This is much more cinematic, though. It's much more cinematic than television, which is why we're but talking it's about also it. not, like, um, it's also kind of pitched... Because it's so popular, I think there's a lot of people that just kind of like everything, that watch everything, that are just like, this is special. Um, Which is, I think, one of the reasons that I was compelled to finally watch it. Because there's enough people that are just kind of like television whores that are like, even this, I like... I can recognize that this is above everything else that I've I've been watching. Both of us aren't television people. No, Um, I fucking hate In the past, like... Four, three years I've watched actually in the past like four months I've watched Shit's Creek which I loved and this and that's been like the closest I've got to television so I've, that's the closest I've like got I to started tell- uh, what's the fuck that Queen show that Elle Fanning was on that one that The Great I started I got four episodes through and I was like I'm done with this the one show that I found very interesting was um, Pen15 the Maya Davis Erskine one, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first season was was very good in a lot of really complicated ways. The second season was a lot less good. Oh, Barry. Barry also. Bear, and Bear, But then again, Barry is one of those, those shows too where I... The first season, I think, stinks. Like, it's... But Barry's shorts... It's, Barry's it's short movies to me. But like, the it's the second season where things get much more complicated yeah. for him and that's what I'm interested... I'm interested in this, the, the life complication that has nothing to do with plot. I fucking hate oh, plot. and Mandalorian. Well, The Mandalorian is, is all plot, but it's just the best. But I, again, I'm... I still haven't seen any of the second season because I'm going to watch it oh. all in one, like... Right Mario. It, it is it is batting a triple. I heard there's Timothy oh. Oliphant, though, in it. He's... Well, so, on. so the thing that I was saying about Timothy Oliphant is that it is... Or the thing that I want to say about Timothy Oliphant is that it um, he's doing Timothy Oliphant things, but because The Mandalorian is so good, the payoff of when you first see him... And I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's, if you're a Star Wars person, you're just like, I know what that is. Yeah. And so it's just Easter egg laden. The beauty, I think, of the Queen's Gambit, in a lot of ways, is that you go into it, there's there's no way to know. No one read this book. It's got no, it's about chess. It is, it is about chess. There's no cultural context for anybody to know anything that's happening in this show. At all. So it's, you go into it, everyone's going into it fresh and new, and it feels fresh and new, and it's just, and she's so good, and she's... And Taylor Joy. And Taylor Joy is so good, and she's, like, her attitude is so... 
like even if you've seen all of Fleabag, like Phoebe Waller Bridge doesn't convey the same kind of like go fuck yourself attitude that Anna Taylor Joy does here. Like when she's when her foster father is coming like to confront yeah, her about the house and she's just like, um, I'll just fucking buy it. What works so well is like her and like she works so well off everyone in this cast. Um like to start with Mariel Heller. Like oh, that's, her I and Mariel Heller on, is just like the on. relationship between those two is just so fucking like Mariel Heller's always proven fair. herself to be like a tremendous director. Yep. Um and writer. I mean she just can writer, do yeah. everything apparently. Yeah. Um but I I didn't even recognize Mariel I know she's an act was also an actress, but like this is like a bombastic performance. Well I think her. she started as an actress. I think she and then she too. just kind of like fell into writing and, and and grew into directing. Um I mean, she's now a thing. Yeah. Um, and and the, the thing that works about this is every single... Like, to start with that, to start with such a... Mary Heller has such an incredibly strong performance that when her character dies, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know how the show's going to recover absence, from that. Yeah. Um, and then just... It's, like, by that point, like, Anne Taylor-Joy can just work off of fucking anybody. Yeah. No, it's 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 kind of an amazing achievement. Um, I'll be fascinated. I don't. I usually don't care I about love, the Emmys. Yeah. But I'll be fascinated to know where... This versus the movie we're going to talk about next falls. <laughs> or I suppose maybe not the movie we're going to talk about next, but, like, the, 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 the thing the, yeah. that we're going to um, talk about next. Really quickly, before we, like, jump off of the yeah, 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 yeah. The one thing I'll say I love is... Is the Borgov relationship? Yep. I love the fact. I think an easy way out of this would have been to present Borgov as just like this force mm-hmm. that needed to be defeated. But like, and I texted you this. I love the fact that Borgov realizes she's hungover. Sure, he doesn't want to win that way, and he's unhappy. And well, then when he, he finally loses, he's like overjoyed. Do you think he is actively trying to lose a second match? I think he was. The Moscow match? No, no, the second one, the Paris match. I think he's trying to elongate it, give her options. Right. I think it's. I, I don't think so he's trying to lose, lose it. He's just the wrong word. I think he was actively trying to um, give her openings to, to make it get competitive. Her, yeah. Right. But then she just kept spiraling. Oh, that's the thing. This this show is like the show is so clever in how it does this stuff because when she spirals, it's not like in a normal way. Like she still goes out and competes against the best chess player in the world for a certain amount of time. While she's like chugging water and like, um, you know, shows up late to the match or whatever. And when you think that she's going to be so composed, because when you first meet her at the beginning of the series, she says, you know, she shows up and she's like, I'm sorry, shakes hands, sits down, chess. And then she just can't keep her fucking shit together. And there's so much. There's like, um, not, not, not patronizing is the right word, but there's so much like, um, the thing I love is. When she's hungover and Borgov at the Paris Open and or whatever points to the chair like this is where you're supposed to sit. Yep. And then when they meet in the Moscow Open and Borgov realizes that she's at the top of her game and just sits down. Yep. Like there's so much nuance to this show that mm-hmm. I love. This is it's fantastic. Like this is my second favorite thing of the year, I'd say, off the top of my head, next to the my number one movie, The Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Of the year, yeah, it's your favorite movie of the year. Um, it's this is easily. <laughs> I just, I, I'm surprised at times. This is easily my numbers. No, because we're just talking about of 2020. Uh, this is easily. I was my, talking about my number one pivotal film of the year, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> um, this is easily my number five, six television show that I've ever seen. Um, but again, I don't so like True Detective season one's one. So True Detective Season 1, I'm going to put in in no particular order. Night Court Season 2, <laughs> Night Court Season 1, Night Court Season 3. I don't really love Night the Court. The Wayne Brothers Season 4, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. No, it's just True Detective Season 1, uh, Frasier, Seinfeld, 30 Rock, and um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb, curb Your Enthusiasm, and then this. I mean, that's... But again, I'm... I like. I really like yeah, this TV. is the best thing on TV I've seen since um, True Detective season one. Yeah, and I like Shit's Creek a lot. But I'm gonna gonna be honest with you. I'm looking forward to whatever is happening on Amazon, and that is that uh, Jeff Bezos. They don't. They didn't give him any. I don't I mean. I don't. They didn't produce it. It's a BBC production. Um, they just they bought obviously bought the rights to it or whatever. Um. Our very good friend Steve McQueen, director of Widows and 
12 Years a Slave and Shame and Hunger. You know what? I He would do it. Like, there's directors that we've talked about that, like, I would assume would do it. I bet Steve McQueen would be into talking about, like, this stuff with us. Listen, Steve McQueen apparently has enough free time to do stuff like this because he directed he has, 10,000 hours. He has made a... I don't, what do you want to call it? It's not a, it's movie, a movie series. It's a movie. But mo- uh, he's made a series, a series of, of five movies, movies. Of feature films. I am glad... I, like, when we saw this movie, I thought... All five of them were going to be two hours long. I was going to be like, he's going to die. They're already done. I know, but I thought that like, he did, he did die. Yeah, I thought they're just gonna, waiting until like, the end of it. Like to... the end of like Steve yeah. McQueen's dead. <laughs> but luckily, everything else after this is like the longest is like eighty five minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all like really appropriately featured uh, things. But the first one came out this week, and it is under the umbrella of. Uh, Small axe, which comes from a Bob Marley song. The lyric is, "If you are the big tree, we are the small axe." Um, and the first film of that film series, and I'm going to call it a film series. No, no, that? I film think series. That's, that's totally fair. Is Mangrove? A demonstration took place against the police, which degenerated into totally inexcusable violence. There may be some who believe that they have been the victim of injustice. There are others who, like parasites, feed on these beliefs and seek to turn them to their own advantage, deliberately creating hate and violence. These defendants are all guilty of the serious criminal offence. This attack on a black establishment is not an isolated event. Uh, in 1968, uh, Frank Critchlow opened the Mangrove in Notting Hill, uh, London, um, which I, I love the idea that um, and Steve McQueen's talked about it, that he re- one of the things he really wanted to do was show people that like Notting Hill, which is my house. I, I knew this was 7.2 and I wanted to bring something Baby like this to drink. Baby such a good beer. I love it. It's, it's like my kind of like fallback and it's cheap. It's such a good beer. Um, it's another fat orange cat. Baby one of the things that Steve McQueen really wanted to do was show people that Notting Hill was not the Julie Roberts movie. That it was it belonged to um, immigrants. It belonged to um, a different uh, different group of people before it got gentrified and turned into like the upper, you know, the upper class Whatever it did back in, um, you know, the Hugh Grant, Julie Roberts movie days. Um, but in London in 1968, uh, her race tensions in Notting Hill were high. And Frank uh, Critchlow was being persecuted by... Uh, Constable Pulley. PC Pulley. Uh, which is, I mean... A good villain. Uh, such a solid villain. But not even just such a solid villain. Uh, villain but like the way that like um darkest how when he's giving his when he's doing his cross-examination of, of pc pulley the way he it's not like an accident it's a real it's a real he's a real guy like these are this is a, an event that actually happened that shaped the nature of england going forward from this moment on and we're going to talk about another shitty fucking movie that thinks it's representing the same kind of ideals. Everyone knows what we're talking fucking about. fucking isn't. <laughs> Notting Hill! I just mentioned it before. <laughs> um, it, Take that, Lee Winel's Invisible Man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. That, that, like, it took me a second, but that's very funny to me now. Because it like, makes no sense, but it's just great. Um, it has this fucking horrible authoritarian sound and he, the way that the way that um oh, who plays him Sam Spurl? Malachi Kirby oh says it when he's delivering it peace you know I'm not even gonna do the impression it's just it's mocking but it has this weight to A it it's real just, enunciation oh, of PC it's so fucking PC good. yeah um he gets harassed his restaurant gets raided um 
Seven, seven times? Nine times. Nine times. Officially three times. But it gets rated by it gets rated by nine nine times. In comes um, Althea Jones LeConte, played by uh, Letitia Wright. The uh, what I assume, what I hope in my heart is a new Black Panther. Shuri from Black Panther movie. I'm assuming she's going to be the new Black Her Panther. Her or Winston Duke, I think. We'll see. I, I have to. I have to imagine that. That Disney's not going to be like, oh yeah, Lapita Nyong'o and 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 Letitia Wright are great. This guy, Winston Duke, new black, <laughs> new Black Panther, not in the family, which means we have to do some kind of bureaucratic nonsense to establish how this is. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they're not going to do that. Um, comes in, she is a, uh, a, a a Black Panther. She's an activist. When we meet her, she's speaking to a union. Um, uh, trying to kind of get people to realize that like minorities in England are all together. They are, are, are minorities together, which makes them, she doesn't say this, but I think which she is establishing makes them the majority. Um, they demonstrate one day against the police. They march peacefully, you know, shouting inflammatory things, but like without inciting violence, um, they march to the police station, um, and then they march, they march through, the, they, they are turned back, they march through the streets, and then the police kind of descend on them. And then in the same way as another shitty movie uh, that we reviewed earlier in the year, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, the, the, I love that you... <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, the movie is fucked. Yeah. After watching this, again, and I, gonna, I said this up. yeah. We're going to shit on this movie um, the The uh, English, The Crown, I love how they call it The Crown. This movie is so fucking good. Decides they're going to make an example out of the of nine well, people. I think what they legally say. No, but it's just it's, it establishes like the nature of the us well, versus them. You know well, what I mean? What, it's this what kind adds of to it, what adds to it is like that that pre-trial scene, like you saw in that garbage fucking piece of shit movie trial of Chicago Seven, in the pre-trial scene where they're all choosing to defend themselves, like. Um, you know, Jones and Hal are choosing to defend themselves. Like you wear your like stupid fucking wig and yep. the posterity of it all. Like you don't get any of that in Aaron Sorkin's fucking. We're gonna get. We're gonna talk shit about bag stuff, yeah. of a film. Yeah. Um, and they are tried for uh, inducing a riot, and nine of them are, including Frank Critchlow. Um, Played by Sean Parks, who is just... Yeah, uh, I'm not, we're going to talk about I'm, him. I'm not familiar with Sean Parks before this too much. New? I've, no, but I feel bad for Delroy Lindo. I mean, in my in terms of my list, I feel bad. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll get it's there. It's unfortunate Sean Parks will not be eligible for the Oscar. But he's eligible for us, which is all I fucking care about. Fuck the Oscars, yeah. is, my, uh, is my take. You know what I mean? And I'm going to be honest with you, unless they're going to give it to... It doesn't matter. Um... The trial goes in favor of the nine defendants. The uh, they are able to Darkus Howe is able to kind of prove using you know reason. He's a he's a philosophy student. He's a, a political science student. He's reading all the stuff. He's able to prove that there's no way that the evidence that PC Pulley is providing is actual credible evidence that he's making it up. They are all found not guilty except for a few apparently in real because this is a thing that actually fucking happened except for a few lesser charges um but then the movie ends with i think one of the great there's two scenes in this movie that i think are uh just phenomenal there's uh, a scene which i don't think we're gonna we maybe not talk about because it's hard to talk about it's hard to provide context for it maybe it is because there's another there's like a reciprocal scene from it in um trial of chicago seven when um, Bobby Seals is is tied up, you know what I mean. And in this one, um, uh, Rodin Gordon and Frank Critchlow are, are kind of forced into these cells underneath the, the thing, and it's just, you wicked men. It's just fucking great. But the other great scene, you know, with um, Sean Parks and Frank Critchlow like starring is at the end of the movie. Like you see right before the movie ends, that like PC Pulley played by. Sam Spruell, who is just great. Um, well, that's redundant to say any performance in this is great. Right. <laughs> he's like in his car. He's like hiding out in his car. He's like watching 
the mangrove. And then and Frank, you know, he's celebrating their victory. He goes outside for a smoke. His buddy Dahl comes out and says, I'm going to move back to Trinidad. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live another winter here. And then Frank finishes his cigarette, and he just looks sharply to the left, and his eye is narrow. And you know... And you expect, and this is something we didn't talk about in The Queen's Gambit, and one of the things, the genius things I think about The Queen's Gambit is that there isn't that typical payoff. So when, when, um, when uh, Anna Taylor-Joy's character, what's her name again? I forget it. Beth Harmon. When Beth, when Beth, when Beth gets adopted and you see like the, her foster father's eyes in the rearview mirror, you're just like, oh, she's going to get or something you know what I mean something bad's gonna happen here because that's what TV has trained yeah, you yeah. to assume that the worst is always gonna happen and she doesn't and you're just kind of like that's amazing that she didn't get raped you just assume that Frank is gonna get killed you assume he's gonna get shot because I don't know about you I, not, I knew nothing about this situation so like I'm watching this movie just kind of on like open to anything that Steve McQueen wants to do uh, wherever he wants to take me I assumed he's going to get shot he's going to get killed he doesn't but he does look sharply to the left he, he narrows his eyes you know what I mean and then it says on the title card afterwards that he went to trial two more times for like just trumped up bullshit got charges planted in the 80s absolutely and he got he got uh, 50,000 uh, pounds eventually 50,000 pounds settlement for like just like police harassment no. and stuff like that so he never got left alone and we get a sense of the fact that he never got left alone at the end of that movie um, eventually closed down the mangrove in 92 because he just was fucking sick yeah. of dealing with this shit and the gentrification of the area this movie is astounding and it's even more astounding when compared to something garbage like Trial of Chicago 7. Which this is a... Which is not a pantomime, but it's it's the sibling film to Trial of Chicago this, 7. And again, well, it's funny that you mentioned uh, uh, Mika Levi last week. Because she composed... She yeah. And it's funny that we're doing the movie that we're doing for my number 10 this week because... He's not featured in this film that we're gonna, my film that we're talking about, but he has become the the composer um, in residence for for the director that directed my number ten. Is that she, Mika Levy is Johnny Greenwood? Johnny Greenwood has has become a a standard bearer now, and he is dictating. He's dictating terms in terms of like how films are are films. Mm. Actually, I think our our there's a composer separate podcast that we could do with like the like the directors that we have for our number tens and like the composers yeah, yeah, they yeah. use. Um, there's those horrible. Do you remember those just god awful riot scenes in Trial of Chicago Seven where they have the bootleg '60s like late '60s rock music going on, and then in this. You have with the the score to There Will Be Blood as the foundation. Specifically like when like they're building the oil there like kind of underscoring everything that like churning, stomping, like heavily percussive but like atonal sound. Mika Levi does that here too. And it is there is a tension built up. And I'm not pointing out those scenes specifically, even though they're incredible. This movie is... Everything matters in this movie. So when the tension builds up, it doesn't build up with just emotions. It doesn't build up with the script carrying anything specific. It doesn't build up with Steve McQueen even doing anything really all that interesting with the camera. It builds up with a foundation of percussion. And then building on top of that with the emotions with the script with the cinematography with the staging with the blocking with everything this movie is fucking incredible incredible but it also feels really simple and easy like the last time we saw Steve McQueen was doing Widows and that all seems so hard I mean, he did everything perfectly, but there was like a million characters coming from a different points of view. Um, people that like never would interact, but were in the same movie. You know what I mean? Um, there was 
different cultures kind of like slamming against each other. And in this movie, it's one culture slamming against another culture. And because of that, it requires a simple telling and he gives it to us simply. But it's so visceral and real and powerful. I mean, I, I don't even really know what to say about it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of perfect in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's, um, the thing I love about this is there's a real intimacy to it. Um, yes, thank you. There's a real closeness to it. And the thing that works so well is Sean Parks' performance is just so, so magnetic. Good. And you get locked into him from the first moment. When I don't even think it's, at the it's not even magnetism. He's like got like extra gravity. Yeah, he's like so much heavier seeming than like everybody else. Absolutely. It's just like there's a weight on him, and it's intense. And the way that him and Sam Spurrell work off of each other early on is just so amazing. Because Steve McQueen just knows how to shoot people. Oh my god! Um, the dance scene in yeah. like in the uh, the carnival scene in like the middle of the street is incredible. I mean, no. that shit's fucking incredible. And and so you watch this, and, and like for the first hour I watched it, I was like, this is a solid film. Like, I, I'm seeing Steve McQueen do a solid, like, TV BBC movie. Hmm. But then when you get to the trial, you just fucking... Like, Steve McQueen's signature just bleeds over everything. Well, what do you think that is? Because I, just, I kept I kept thinking I was thinking about that exact same like where is the Steve I mean because it's different Steve than Ma- Widows. No, no, it's, it's, no it's, it's, it, the sense of it is is the fact that like every so a courtroom drama necessitates either a devotion to moving the plot forward or a devotion to focusing on character. Mm-hmm. And Steve McQueen is a character guy. One hundred percent. And so like when you get Hal and Pooley talking back and forth like the PC pulley line, you get everything in those moments. Um, you get every, you, you literally can feel in that interrogation the two forces at play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, pulley's an asshole before that, but it really settles down into the grit and into the line in that moment. And that's when I looked at this and just, I, I texted you before you saw this, I was like, what the fuck is Sorkin doing? Because mm-hmm. Trial of the Chicago Seven is a fucking failure. Well, it's, we, it's a bad. It's a bad. It's it's. We talked about this. It's not a great movie. But after seeing this, it's oh, a yeah. fucking failure. perfect. Yeah. When we watched it, we were just like, I enjoyed that movie, even though it was ridiculous. But now, but this yeah. is like, like I think Aaron Sorkin should be ashamed of himself, and I think he is. I'm gonna be to be very honest with you. I think he probably I'd feels so. that way. I think he does. I don't think he's unaware, and he should. He, I mean, yeah. The his, reviews for Mangrove versus the reviews no, 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 for Trial of Chicago Seven. I think but I, like, have, I have to assume the actualization of like I think the two saw, things. I have to assume he saw it and was like, "I didn't even make the second best Sasha Baron Cohen movie of this year," and the first like, best Sasha Baron Cohen movie was a farce. And he was playing like a shit character, you know. Blah 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 blah. Just, just imagine like the decision being read, and Eddie Redgrave deciding to name Redmayne. off Redmayne, naming off all the names of Eddie Redgrave. Redgrave, yeah. <laughs> Vanessa's son, um, <laughs> naming off all the listing of like the dead Vietnam War people versus like where Frank, like Sean Parks, just fucking loses it and just focus in on him. Uh, the naming of the first Doesn't like do anything. four people, and just like he's holding on to that baluster and just like dropping his head. But the beauty of that is that it's it's so intimate. It comes, and that's the thing about Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen's intimate. There's no pretense. There's nothing besides an intimacy. Well, to so the here's personality. I'm gonna put it to you. So there's the scene. There's the great scene after the movie gets raided. After the the mangrove gets raided the first time, and there's just the shot of the colander that is just rocking. Okay, the colander is just—it won't stop rocking. He just have, he just um, lays on this shot. Is just—it's just sitting there. The camera's just sitting there. This colander is rocking. What is the? And I have my own opinion on it. I'm just curious. What do you think? What is the relationship between like the shot of the colander rocking to the shot of Frank's face 
a couple of times. There's I, a couple I, of I, times. I, I, I get honest. I, I did not make that. So there's too. a couple of times where they just like linger on Frank's face for like the same amount of time that they linger on this calendar. I think it's one of those things where like, I think Steve McQueen wants us to because so the thing that I so you take intimacy. I think part of the aspect of that. I agree with the intimacy 100%. I think the thing that makes it so intimate for me is like the tactile nature of the filmmaking. So everything is every there's it's so textural. There's so much texture in a Steve McQueen film, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's no there's nothing synthetic. It's all real. So the thing that I was taking is that like the nature of the colander is that it's round, but it also has this kind of like balanced weight to it with the handles, you know what I mean? So it's it's it will never stop like it will perpetually because of its nature will just keep doing this thing you know what i mean it's like it's when i say about like frank has extra gravity it's gravity is really the thing that i pull away from this is that there are things that just are and we have no control over it and i wonder if it's if it's frank's emotions but is Frank's emotions related directly to the race relations of Notting Hill in 19, in like the late 1960s? You know what I mean? We're like, this will never stop. This is just going to keep doing this forever because it's just its nature. Yeah. The way that it's designed, its gravity is as such where it's just going to keep, it's just going to keep rocking. You're never going to stop it. Even if, you know, you can look at it for forever um, but unless you get in there and grab it and stop it from moving, it's going to just keep doing. And that di- like relates directly to what um, Letitia Wright's character said in that fucking great speech she said about you know her unborn child. Um, right when Frank is he wants to take the plea bargain, um, that this is like not about them. This is never going to stop. It's going to keep going. It's going to attach itself to it, their kids and forever. Um, unless they stand up, and that's what you know. What, what Darkus says in his his closing arguments is that he doesn't care what verdict they give. He's gonna, someone's gonna fight forever, forever and ever and ever. They're gonna fight until this is, until this is real. Um, Aaron Sorkin has no ability to do that. Where Steve McQueen, that's Steve McQueen's milieu. That's what he does. That's his wheelhouse. I mean, it's just. What he's an expert at. I mean, he just throws shit in your face. And it's the real shit. I mean, and I guess you can say that there's like an, uh, there's a vaguely impressionistic... Really? I don't think there's Not to this, but I mean, to, like, some, to aspects of 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, like with Michael Fassbender, like, you know, whipping Lupita Nyong'o's character. Like, you know, it's almost like a revelatory mm-hmm. experience for him. Um, that might not be real, but it's representative of how... A certain people feel about the relationship between African to you know blacks and plantation owners. You know what I mean? Mm. That they were getting off. On, like we we kept slavery around so long. One because we were afraid of the power that slave owners would get if we didn't kind of give them like a little bit of power, like the overall power they would fight for. You know, when, when the Civil War happened, so who fucking cares? But then like that they got off on slavery. They got off on owning people. And we I mean, you know, we have a president now that seems to get off on like owning the shit out of like 70 million people. Um, but Steve McQueen seems like a director who's like most uniquely capable of expressing that. Not through an essay, but through film. Yeah. Through like a visual language. No, I agree. Um,. There's a real earnestness to whatever he does. And that's the thing I love about Widows. Is Widows had this real rawness and not pretense to it. And, mm. and that's the thing that, that colors my perception now. After watching Mangrove um, of Trout Chicago 7 is there's so much pretense. Mm. And so much like theatricality oh, that in, in Trout Chicago 7 that is non-existent mm-hmm. in Mangrove. Mangrove feels human to the core mm. it feels raw there's a rawness that doesn't exist with Sorkin because he doesn't know how to do it no he doesn't know how to do it he doesn't know how to not control everything which I suppose is part of our cultural societal problems in America is that there's a certain group of people that just can't relinquish control yeah and Aaron I mean he means well he's not like 
like a villain. But is no, I don't know. Is man. he part of the solution? I'm gonna say he's a villain. Sports night was the real problem in America. I love sports night. Sports night is the only reason Trump happened. Did you not like sports night? I didn't watch it. Oh, sports night. Is but I'm gonna say this right now. Sports night. If it wasn't for sports night, Trump doesn't happen. I don't necessarily think that. I'm making this claim right <laughs> That's now. That's true. Um, I don't know. But Mangrove was great. We're gonna talk about each of these movies uh, as they get released. So yeah. we'll do five in a row of these Steve McQueen movies that are adding to our burden. But it's a burden that I'm really happy to take on. Yeah, I doubt. I think one of these movies might be like adequate. I mean, I'm pretty sure that next week I'm going to be fucking pissed, like pissed off at the other two movies besides the Steve, new Steve McQueen movie that I'm gonna that we're gonna review. I just have a hunch. I got a hunch. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I think next week will be like the least. Paul Bettany's got a lot going on in his life right now. I think next week's gonna be. Uh, the thing I think least of Paul Bettany for in the next month or month well, and a half. Have it going on in his life because well, the new Vision, the WandaVision show comes out on July, uh, January fifteenth. Oh, I thought like Jennifer Connelly left him. No. Well, that's I mean, I hope for his sake. I hope. Yeah, I was gonna say like that is the only thing. I'd you only about get one chance of that. If I was Paul Bettany, like that's all I'd care about. I feel like we've been talking about this show for like days, but it's only been like twenty minutes. One division? No, Mangro. No. Mangro was great. It was great. Yeah. We will be. Anything else? No. Let's uh, let's, let's, let's uh, drop <laughs> the tension down with my number ten. 